wherever there are shadows, there are people ready to kick at the darkness until it bleeds daylight. This is Bleeding Daylight with your host, Rodney Olson. Welcome. You can connect with us through our social media links and find many other Bleeding Daylight episodes at bleedingdaylight.net. We talk a lot about faith on Bleeding Daylight, but what do Christians actually believe? My guest today has written a book that answers that question. Please think about who else would benefit from hearing this episode and let them know where to find Bleeding Daylight. It might be an understatement to say that Aaron Armstrong loves books. He reads books, he writes books, he writes about books, and he even has a podcast about books. He's the author of several books for adults and children, a documentary screenwriter and ministry leader. His most recent book is titled, I'm a Christian, Now What? A Guide to Your New Life with Christ. He joins us today on Bleeding Daylight. Aaron, thank you for your time. Pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me. I know that you haven't always considered yourself to be a writer, but when you look back, when did you actually begin to write? Looking back, I've actually written my whole life. From the, the time that I was about four years old I start, is when I started telling stories. But it wasn't really until around the time I was like 26, 27 that I fell into being a professional writer with no idea what to do. And so I had to figure out how to do that and how to do it well very, very quickly because I was working at a nonprofit at the time. There was work to do. After muddling my way through it for a little while, I decided to start a blog and it worked out well because at the same time I was still a fairly new Christian and I was working out and processing different thoughts and feelings around what I was what I was reading both in my Bible and in other books, what I was hearing at church, what I was experiencing as a new Christian and needed somewhere to kind of get that out of my head and clarify my thoughts and to my surprise people started reading this thing. I mean, probably a healthier person would have written it in a journal and instead I wrote it on the internet. But people started reading it and people started finding it helpful. And here we are, you know, about 14 years later and people still seem to seem to find what I'm saying helpful, which I'm very grateful for. And of course, we've established that you're a person of faith, but yes. I understand that you had a very interesting journey to faith. Yes, that's right. So I didn't grow up as a Christian at all. You know, I was a pretty typical Canadian kid in that church wasn't really a part of my life or upbringing whatsoever. It wasn't on the radar. That continued to be the case up until I was in my mid-20s when I was a working professional. I had a lovely girlfriend slash pretend fiance in that we had gotten engaged, but we hadn't set a date and a couple of years had passed. We worked in the same company. We owned a house together. We had a car that we leased together. We had all the trappings of being married without being married. One day, a friend of ours asked me while I was homesick if I wanted to go to this program at his church called Alpha. And Alpha, for those unfamiliar, is a program that's designed to, to create a safe and open discussion about the basics of what Christians believe, uh, a, healthy, a healthy, safe place to explore matters of faith. 
to my surprise and to his surprise, I said yes to this. And honestly, I didn't expect that I would. I still don't have any real answer as to why, aside from the prompting of the Holy Spirit in hindsight. But I went over to their church website, I signed up, and then I promptly forgot what it was, aside from it being some kind of dinner discussion thing at our friend's church. And that's how I described it to Emily. And she said, cool, free food. And so that was all we thought of it. And then we got to the event. They introduced the whole thing and said, welcome to the 10-week alpha course. And she looked at me and and under her breath said, what in the world is going on? And, (laughs) And I'm like, I swear I didn't remember that it was 10 weeks. Our friend was pretty sure that we weren't going to be there every single week. He thought we were done every single time, but we kept going back faithfully. And I promptly fell asleep as every video, as soon as every video turned on, um, because we had just had a great big high carb, low cost meal. And that was great and all, but it's also a high carb, low cost meal. So there's that side of things. And, but I still participated in the, in the discussion. And by the end of it said, this is great. We know what our friend believes. We're going to go on our merry way now. A lot of people had had the experience of actually coming to faith during that event. We had some friends who did. We actually saw a couple get married in the thing as well. And so that was an interesting and kind of bizarre experience, but it didn't take with us. But we kept connecting with, with our friend and hanging out. And whenever we would hang out, we'd eventually start talking about matters of faith and Christianity. We'd get a lot deeper and more directly personal than we would in the group setting. And finally, one day in March of 2005, I was sitting down on my couch. I just said, you know, I, I really like my friend. And I really like making fun of my friend. I'm going to buy a Bible And I'm going to read it so that I can make fun of my friend, as one does. Lofty goals. (laughs) You know, it's a perfectly logical reason to to buy a Bible or something, I guess. So I went down to the, the Christian bookstore that just happened to be two blocks away from my house at the time. It's now a skateboard and sporting goods shop in London, Ontario. So it's not there anymore, but it was there for when I needed it to be. I went in, I asked the lady after I was looking around for a little while who came up to me and said, you know, do you need something? And I said, I need a Bible. And she said, well, what kind of Bible? We have lots of different kinds. And and I'm like, I don't know a Bible. And so she gave me the message. And so I said, cool. Um, So I went home and I promptly started reading it. And then things kind of started to get weird, particularly as I unexpectedly was intrigued by this Jesus who I was reading about in the Gospels. And I didn't start with John like I was being told I should because I'm a bit of a contrarian. So I decided, you know what, I'm going to start with, I think, I think I started with Luke (laughs) and just to be different. Uh, I was fascinated because this Jesus that I was reading about in this Bible that I had wasn't like anything that I had seen anywhere. It wasn't like the Jesus that I saw in pop culture. It wasn't like the Jesus that I had heard about 
anywhere at all. This was a Jesus that needed to be taken seriously, who demanded to be taken seriously just by his very presence. And so I was wrestling with that. And as all that was happening, things were starting to get kind of weird in my house in a way that I didn't have the language for or the understanding of at the time, but that in in hindsight, I can look back and I can see, okay, this was real spiritual opposition. And so right away as not even a Christian yet having to, having to start dealing with questions of, okay, are there, are there supernatural things in the world? As I'm reading about this man who also claimed to be God and these supernatural things happening and being described in this book. And so all of this eventually came to a head one night where both Emily and I had to make a decision because we were having these experiences and we just knew that they weren't going to stop unless Jesus saved us. And so we asked him to, and he did. All of it stopped immediately as soon as we both did this. And we're sitting there, it's about three o'clock in the morning, and we just looked at each other. And the first question that, that, we asked, that I asked her was, now what? And that was the this this beginning of this journey for us that has led us through nearly 18 years now of being believers and taking us to another country. And God's been very kind through it all. And, you know, we've had some very, very challenging experiences, but some really amazing experiences as well because of it. And so I'm really grateful that uh, that when I realized that I needed Jesus to save me, he did. We're not here, obviously, to talk about the other guy. We're here to, yeah, 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 yeah. to talk about Jesus. But I do want to know, what were some of those experiences? Just maybe a thumbnail sketch of what were those things, those supernatural things that you said that you and Emily were experiencing at that time? Yeah. So there were certain rooms in our house at different times of night that we just would not go into. Like after about 10 o'clock, we just wouldn't go into our bathroom. And we were in a very small house that only had one. And so it's, you can understand the the discomfort that that can bring. Emily was experiencing, because this was still in the, land, the days of landlines, for the younger listeners, well, that's when phones weren't your computer in your pocket. They were tied to the wall. That's right. There were <laughs> cords and of all different sorts of kinds, and you could you could get spun around in them, and it was a mess. But she would get like these dead silent phone calls that were really creepy and uncomfortable. She would describe me as actually fighting in my sleep, and uh, I'd wake up with scratches and things like this that I couldn't possibly have made on me. The night that we actually asked Jesus to save us, I woke up that day having fallen because I was being lifted out of my bed. I, I get hesitant talking about those things, even though I put it in a book, which is perhaps a little bit ironic, because usually when I talk about those things, people look at me like I've got two heads and want to run away, which, to be fair, I understand. <laughs> some some freaky stuff, but as you say, that moment that you came to the point of saying, okay, Jesus, I give in, it's over yep. to you, everything stops. So thinking back to that time when you and Emily looked at each other and said, now what? How much do you think you would have benefited from a book like the one you've just released when you first came to Christ? 
Oh my goodness. It would have been such a gift. And really that's a key part of why I wrote this book at all is because when I started thinking about about writing this book now coming up on eight years ago, one of the things that I thought was thinking about was, okay, what what were some of those questions that I had? What are some of those things that I wish someone could have walked me through a little more clearly? What were some of the mistakes that I made because I wasn't ready to hear what I needed to hear in some instances? Things like, okay, how do I actually develop a good, consistent habit of reading the Bible? How do I actually pray when it just seems so weird and so strange and I don't know how to do this because it's never been a part of my life? Why do I actually need to be part of a local church and what should I actually be looking for? How do I engage with my bookshelf and music and movies and all of these things that I love and adore? Do I have to throw it all away and start listening to things that I don't actually like? Or can I still listen to things that I do enjoy, even if they're not made by people who care about Jesus at all? You know, all of these kinds of things. And then so many more that are huge issues that continue to be be part of our existence today. I love that even at the start of the book, you point out what should be very obvious to us all, and that is that you kind of wake up and everything is the same and yet everything isn't because we we still have our jobs to go to. We, we are still relating to the same people around us. We're still in the same home generally, but something has changed. And it's it's trying to make sense of that, isn't it? Yeah. And I mean, the part of the way that I describe it in the book is it's kind of like being a grown-up in body, but being a newborn in terms of our being and our state of being because we're in this place where the the bible describes becoming a christian as being born again so in a very very real and yet metaphysical supernatural way we're the same person that we were but we're also a new person we're uh the bible describes people apart from jesus um in some pretty stark terms most significantly as being dead in our trespasses and sins. And there's a lot that gets packed into that, that if we tried to get into all of it, we would be on this call for probably the next 37 hours. Um, (laughs) But the beautiful thing is, is that through faith in Jesus, it says that God makes us alive to Christ. And this idea of being born again or born from above, given a new life, new desires, a new purpose, and a new hope that drives everything that we we are to be as people. And really, fundamentally, the Christian life from that moment that we are saved, that we do believe, is really figuring out who we are and being who we are in Jesus. And so that means that that we're going to make a lot of mistakes. We're going to we're going to stumble and fall. We're going to bang our knees like toddlers who are trying to learn how to walk. We're going to make a lot of mistakes along the way, but eventually we do grow and we do start to get it over time imperfectly, but a little bit more day by day. And that's one of those things that as I was thinking about writing this book and as I was act- and as I was writing it, I wanted to give those who would read it the best start possible. The start that that to a greater degree I wish that that we had had. I suppose we could be fooled into thinking that this is a how-to manual. We get this down, we get to then live the perfect Christian life. 
but I imagine that part of it is really about learning that, you know what, we're going to be on this learning journey forever. And that's not to cause anyone to say, really, I'm never going to get there, but an understanding that, yes, you will grow, you will learn, but we get to learn the whole journey. Yeah. And that's one of the, that's one of the beautiful things is that there's no end point to our learning and to our discovering and growth and for lack of a better word, for our improving in all of this day by day, we grow a little bit more like Jesus as we are pursuing him through reading the Bible, as we are building a relationship with him through that and through prayer, and as we are growing together with other Christians, because it's it's not an individual thing. We need people around us to help us in this as well. And we learn from them as much as, and they learn from us too, which is a beautiful thing as well. We never reach that end point because uh, at least not until we get to stand and meet Jesus when he returns. And that comes into the new hope part is that eventually all the at best, pretty good parts, all those become perfect and all the really not great things go away. Instead, we get to be with and enjoy, but we don't stop learning because we get to spend eternity with an infinite God who we can't exhaust the knowledge of and discovery of and who invites us to see him clearly and perfectly and unfiltered in that time and place. As you say, you started writing this book when you were a fair way along this journey yourself. How difficult was it for you to go back and try and remember all those things that caught you up in those early days, all those things that you wish you would have known? To a degree... I was surprised at how easily I could recall it all. You know, some of that comes with carrying around a, you know, a level of of guilt about mistakes that I made. Like all people, we remember the wrongs a lot easier than we remember the rights. Because I when I started started toying with this, I was in my mid 30s as opposed to my mid 20s. Uh it was all still really 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 fresh. And so I could go back to that and I could remember how it felt in those early days, even as I could also remember just how much it was like, man, I messed that up or this was, Hey, this was a really good thing that, that this was a, this was a nice moment that the Lord gave me and, um, was able to embrace that too. And I suppose as you're remembering those times that you messed up, uh, you're also reminded that. We follow a God who is willing to forgive and he's quick to forgive. Oh, 100%. I mean, that's one of those things that, I mean, I found myself as I was writing, I found times where there were there were mistakes that I made that I hadn't even realized that, oh man, I got that wrong and was able to, you know, just stop and pray and say, hey, Lord, thank you for being gracious to me and and forgiving me for this when I didn't even realize what I had done. And in other places, you know, being so thankful for where I had been responsive quickly and had made some changes that needed to be made. Like uh, I think about when I got into church leadership positions really early, 
as a Christian. Like I was like two years into my faith when I was leading a ministry at my church. And that was a bad, bad thing for me because I wasn't ready to. And so it was just an exercise in frustration and futility to some degree because I had some ideas about what I wanted to do, but they weren't really fully fleshed out and fully formed because I also didn't know how to articulate some of those things very well. It was where I was butting heads with people, but also just knowing how to explain my own convictions as I was developing them. It was just leading me to be a problem as a person. And I needed to not do that anymore. (laughs) (laughs) You know, there are some places where it's like, I also was, as I was looking through things and seeing like, particularly the description of what to look for in a healthy church. That was one of those things that I was so thankful for to be able to write because it's something that I actually found. And so it's not a hypothetical for me to be able to write that. That's actually a little bit of a love letter to my own church here. We're not perfect, but God's been doing something very special through that church, uh, Refuge Franklin um, here in Tennessee, just through my life and and my wife's life. And I'm really grateful for that in the same way that he worked really kindly and graciously in our lives through our very first church and how he did a lot in us in our second church as well. Both of those in back at home in Canada, Um, but just something very special and different that was like, oh, this makes sense. I imagine that if someone is very new to the faith, the last thing that they really want to do, as much as they want the information, the last thing they want to do is to jump headfirst into a large theological volume, and thankfully you haven't gone there, but you also haven't dumbed it down. You've written in a way that is very readable, is very conversational, but actually backs everything up throughout scripture and gives people a a really good start. I guess that was intentional. You don't want people to feel like you're talking down to them, but also there's some really big stuff you need to wrestle with, isn't there? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I mean, when it came to that motivation, I wanted to, as much as possible, to make sure that what I was saying was understandable. And that's something that I try to do with all of my writing is to make it as clear as possible so that it's as helpful as possible. It's also part of the the reality of acknowledging that when someone is either exploring the Christian faith or when they are entering into it for the first time, acknowledging the fact that some of the stuff that we believe is actually pretty weird. And so we've got to be okay with that. I mean, the fact that, you know, historic small O Orthodox Christians of all stripes have believed that there is one God who is, who exists simultaneously as three persons, the father, son, and Holy spirit. That's unusual. (laughs) that three are one that also exist outside of space and time and yet are intimately involved within space and time to the degree that one of those persons entered into reality, into space and time and became like one of us who added on humanity to his godness and yet didn't diminish his godness and didn't mix his godness and then lived perfectly for us died for us, lived again for us so that we can be made part of his family for eternity. 
that's strange stuff and that's hard to take, but it's, it's this kind of strange that is so weird that it can only be true. And so we need to acknowledge those things, but we also need to help people not just say, okay, you know, this is weird, but you know, you can get behind it, right? Because that's not how things work. We have a credible faith. We have, we have reasons for what we believe in, what we do and what we say. And so we want to, we want to help people even at an early stage, understand that too, and embrace those things. And so that's why I was trying to do as much as I can to give that back and forth and to be able to say, okay, yes, this is, this is odd or, Hey, here's a simple way to understand this and then give a little more depth as I was going. When you write a book and title it, I'm a Christian, now what? A guide to your new life with Christ. It's fairly obvious who your target audience is, but I do suspect that there would be some other audiences who would probably appreciate it. Firstly, those people who have been Christians for a number of years and have never really sat down and and looked through the basics of this is what I believe, but also for people who are wanting to explore faith in the same way as that Alpha course was laying out the Christian belief. Your book certainly outlines those. Do you think it's going to be helpful for those audiences as well? Yeah. As far as people who are exploring the faith are concerned, I really hope that it is a big help to them, that it answers some questions that they might not even realize that they have about what's got their interest in Christianity. Honestly, there's a little bit of me that hopes that there's someone who is as cynical and jaded as I was when I was 25 who picks up this book and maybe maybe comes to faith because of it. That would be cool. I'm not saying that's going to happen because I'm not a prophet nor the son of a prophet. So I do hope that it increases curiosity with them, that it does answer some questions. But when it comes to the more mature, more seasoned or established Christian, um, someone who maybe grew up in a family where Christianity was seen as normal or just part of the, the air that they breathed. I hope that what it does is does two things. One, that it refreshes them and encourages them as it reminds them of what we believe as Christians. But I also hope that it helps to equip them for the ministry that we have to people who are coming to faith now and who are going to be coming to faith in the years ahead. And that part's really important because Canada, most of Western Europe, Australia to some degree, all of these are significantly farther ahead on what sociologists will describe as post-Christian trajectory. Europe is farther ahead than Canada and far, and Canada is farther ahead than the United States although these days the United States is doing its level best to catch right up at a breakneck pace but what that means is basically cultural memory of Christianity is rapidly diminishing to the point that you could make the argument that we're actually in some areas we're moving beyond you know what is typically associated with a post-christian society which is a general awareness but hostility towards the christian faith 
and more to a, for lack of a better phrase, a post-post-Christian society where that general hostility is replaced with ignorance in the truest sense in that they don't know anything about it. So where people can see a a church building that might have a cross on it, but they don't see a church, uh, they don't recognize that as, as a symbol representing Jesus. They just see the letter T. And so there were people who were like that in Canada 20, 30, 40 years ago. There are even more today. There are people like that who, who are like that now in the United States as well. And places like the American South, where I live now, they're only a few years away from, from experiencing that kind of culture shift here as well. We as Christians need to be ready to help people who don't have any kind of framework or foundation that they're familiar with, at least, who are trying to figure all of this stuff out from scratch and to love them the way that we are called to love them by addressing the the questions, the concerns, the issues with them as we walk right alongside them and sometimes carry them a little bit along the way. To maturity. I know that it's difficult whenever you venture out in any creative way because you're releasing a part of yourself into the wild. So you've done that with this latest book as you've done with, with previous books and previous projects. But how has this been received so far? What is the talk coming back to you, the reviews that you've heard so far? Uh, so far, this has been one of the most encouraging experiences that I've had as a creator and as a writer, I have been shocked at how many people who I know who have parents who are believers, but they still came to faith later, a little bit later in life, like early twenties, late teens, even um, in, in some of those earlier, in the earliest cases. And they were like, I, I had no idea half this stuff when I became a Christian. I wish I had had this. And that's been that's been the thing that I have heard pretty consistently is I wish I had this X number of years ago. I wish I had this for this person. I'm so glad that I have it now for these people as well. And and that's been just good. For, it's honestly, it's been good for my heart to know that the experience of of walking through all of those now what's that can help someone <laughs> today, and that, and I hope that the that it's gonna it's gonna bear some good fruit in people's lives, and that they're gonna be encouraged by it, and that they're gonna be able to help other people who know who are coming to know Jesus too as a result. If someone is listening and wants to get a hold of the book, I'm a Christian, now what? Or if they want to connect with you, read blog posts, or just be in touch, what's the easiest place for people to find you? Yeah, uh, so I am online at aaronarmstrong.co, so that's A-A-R-O-N armstrong.co. I'm also on Twitter at aaronstrongarm on Instagram at that one, at that same handle as well. Those are a couple of really great places to find me. And as far as getting the book is concerned, you can get that at your local Christian bookstore. They can, they can order that in if they're not carrying it. You can get it through Amazon, through most of your, most of your preferred vendors. 
Of course, I will put all the links to your website and to find the book, your Instagram and Twitter. That will all be in the show notes at bleedingdaylight.net. But Aaron, I certainly want to thank you for writing the book, first of all, but also for spending some time with us today on Bleeding Daylight. Thank you so much. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thank you for having me and hope we can talk again soon. Thank you for listening to Bleeding Daylight. Please help us to shine more light into the darkness by sharing this episode with others. For further details and more episodes, please visit bleedingdaylight.net.